Hello, and welcome to Please Don't Send Me in Outer Space, the podcast intent on exploring all that science fiction and fantasy has to offer, one movie at a time. My name is Joel. My name is Sarah. My name is Aaron. This week was The World, the Flesh, and the Devil from 1959, directed by Ronald McDougall, writer Ronald McDougall, M.P. Scheel, and Ferdinand Rayer, starring Harry Belafonte as Ralph Burton, Inger Stevens as Sarah Crandall, and Mel Ferrer as Benson Thacker. And that's it. They don't credit whoever was that voice on the radio, you know? Really? You, you think they would. Actually, there were a couple of different voices that we heard besides the ones. Hmm. But if you look on IMDb, it, like, doesn't even have, like, an actor's thing. You have to click on all cast and crew, and then it, and then you can look at the actors. Oh, okay. And it only lists those three. Holy moly. So we got a science fiction movie. Uh, late 50s, early 60s was this, like, prime beautiful moment of not only science fiction, but science fiction with, like, the message behind it. And I think this is a fantastic example. Sarah's pick. Sarah, tell, tell me about your connection to this movie. I chose this movie because it's one of my mom's favorites. And I saw it when I was younger. And this is just one of those... One of those kinds of things that my parents exposed me to that I was really happy about when I was younger, because I think that this sort of emulates not only everything my mom loved about sci-fi, but also everything she loved about the idea of the oneness of mankind and peace and justice and just about what her hope for the hope for the world and the future might be. And it is a little bit preachy in some places, but basically the movie, it's about, like, doomsday happens. I don't know how you want to explain it. What would you say? Just, um, army, I don't know, <laughs> a fallout? I just, I like how you put the, you know, talking about mankind and peace. Um, those are definitely things that I feel are reflected pretty well in this movie. Uh, and, you know, things unlike that as well. I don't know, it's sounds yeah. pretty stupid, but, you know. <laughs> no, totally. I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I really like uh, how Joel put it, you know, sci science fiction with the message behind it. Because I, I definitely feel that it just wasn't like, it, it, this movie has a purpose, you know, as opposed to maybe some other movies <laughs> that were just all about the, you know, the, the flashy spaceship or the... <laughs> Yeah, and it's really, I mean, a lot of what I was exposed to growing up was art that had a message behind it, mm. and and I really like that. I like Neil Young, I like Radiohead, I like movies that talk about 
what should what should happen in the world. But I mean, obviously, I like other stuff, too. But this was one that my mom showed to me at a young age, probably because she wanted us to she wanted us to see a movie like this when we were kids um, that dealt with issues bigger than just, you know, flying into space or something that had sci-fi elements in them. Totally. So what happens in this movie is Harry Belafonte's character, Ralph, is he's a miner and he gets trapped in a mine after everything falls down around him. And at first it's just, it's really quiet, even from the beginning. After, after he gets caved in, we, it's, we spend a lot of time with just him trying to survive in this mine and you can hear outside sounds like they do the thing where they they tap on the pipe to indicate that oh yeah we can hear you or that we're you know there's we know that somebody else is down there and he's communicating with somebody and then all of a sudden everything stops yeah and you know he thinks they've forgotten about me they're they're just going to leave me down the thing so he rushes out the, uh, he finally breaks out of the cave that he's been waiting in, you know, uh, waiting for them to rescue him instead of trying to rescue himself and possibly killing himself in the in the, the process. But he, when he gets to the top, there is nothing. There is nobody. It's it's not even like the wind is blowing. It, it's it's so strange that it, it's quiet. He goes into the offices, he's screaming his head off, trying to get attention from anybody, and there's just nobody there. You know, it made me think of um, The Stand, where people just, they just all disappear all yeah. of a sudden. I mean, uh, Captain Trips is when, they, you know, they're all dying from the sickness and stuff like that, but it's like all these places are just gone. Or maybe like the rapture or something like that, you know. Yeah. But he has survived, and he doesn't know what's going on until he finds newspapers, and he sees that the the Ruskies have blown everybody up with their nuclear poison or something like that. You know, it, it's not it really says clear. radioactive isotopes, right? And also, it, sa- it says it says nuclear poison too. Yeah. Or you know, some atomic poison, I think. Yeah, atom- like atomic. That. Yeah. Yes, dirty, dirty bomb is that? Is that the more current term? For that I don't sort of know. Thing? A dirty bomb is one that is like manufactured outside of like like a military situation. Okay, like oh, a so terrorist, not, a terrorist group would make, make a, a dirty, dirty bomb. bomb. Okay, okay, as opposed to good, clean Americans, hardworking, hardworking, clean, radioactive isotope. USA. Yeah, isotope, <laughs> isotope will save us all. That's an inanimate rod. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, we spend a huge amount of time with Ralph as he, he is, he's not a dumb person at all. No, he's actually very quite clever. He he is way too clever, honestly. For his own good. In this movie, he's just like, everything he does, he seems to be good at, with a notable exception, which we'll get to later. Uh, But he... Just decides, well, obviously there's nobody around here. This is a mining town. I got to go to the big city, so I'm going to go to New York. Heads out there, and we get more shots of just how empty it is with the cars that are parked on the bridge, and they're they're blocking the tunnel so nobody can get out. And uh, 
just like 28 days later style. Like there's just nobody around like the Omega man when it's Charlton Heston is driving around. It's just, yeah. yeah, it does really good. They, it, that's, I think something that is so awesome about this movie is that the shots that are taken are just gorgeous and they, it's like you would never be able to see them again now. It's like, I'm glad someone captured that at that time because now you can't. Yeah. I read it. it said the the way they got the shots was they got up before the city woke up. You know? Oh my gosh. And that is impossible now. Yeah. There is no such thing as a time when there is not people walking around. Yeah. Driving around. I wonder what time. Definitely. It's like Definitely. dawn. Like yeah. earlier than dawn. That's what wow. they said they also did with the, I remember when I read the trivia for the Omega Man, and that happened later in Los Angeles. And the, and the funny thing is in Omega Man, you can see, like, cars driving in the background if you're looking, like, mm-hmm. far off in the shot. So, it's, like, they, they're obviously getting to the point where it's a trouble. It's almost impossible to get back then, but this this one does such a superb job. It's, like, not even animals around. Yeah. You know? It's, like, somebody came around and sprayed all the pigeons away with a hose or something. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> like somebody was really methodical about clearing the shot before they started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a movie from 1985 called The, the Quiet Earth mm-hmm. um, that I watched with a Campo, I'd say maybe a few months ago, a New Zealand movie that kind of had a very similar feel as well, um, at least to the very beginning of this movie where, where he, when he was just by himself walking around. Um, notable differences were, though, is that... Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, I know we really haven't got into it yet, but uh, um, like in the in the quiet earth, there's definitely a moment where like he's just walking around in his underwear, just like <laughs> driving a truck and just shouting and going. He goes to like the baseball field and like <laughs> you know just in his underwear and just shouting. You know, I feel like that's more realistic. <laughs> like I mean, they didn't they didn't want to go that far in this movie. You know, it still had to be decent enough. Yeah, it, because the entire movie. Once, once we do meet other characters, which there, like I said, there are only two other people, actual people, in the movie. It's they're pressing against that line of like race, racial tension. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I feel like the filmmakers were still like, "Oh, we can't have you, you know, parading around doing anything too crazy." You know, that's yeah. It's, we're gonna we're gonna show you're a great guy. Uh, definitely no kissing scene or anything like that, Yeah, you, you know, and you have to know what's, I mean, we, we're going to point, we're going to make it obvious that it doesn't make any sense the way you're acting. Like, it's going to be obvious that this movie is about how crazy it is that this is even a thing, but we still got to make sure it's safe. <laughs> well, yeah, I think they wanted it to be seen. Right. They They wanted it to be acceptable enough to be able to be viewed by people and to actually see what a cool story it was and what um what underlying social issues are being sort of um pointed at you know Mm -hmm. yeah i think that from the beginning when he's like going from the mine to new york and looking around and and looking just for anyone it's kind of a good setup you you feel like he's the main character in this movie i mean did you guys feel like he was the main character absolutely yeah and i feel like he totally stole the show too he was so oh, go- so good in it like i'm gonna i know i 
definitely know Belafonte, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to lie that I forgot about him. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, and and, I, and while we're watching the movie, and at certain points when he just starts singing, and I was yeah. just like, "Damn, this guy can sing!" Yeah. I was just like, "Yeah," <laughs> like that's a voice, you know, that's a voice I, I want to listen to. I was very disappointed. He only seemed to sing, break out a song twice, and one of them was on a recording he had done previously. I feel like maybe they, they. I'm glad they put some of it in, but at the same time, you didn't want it to be like. A variety show of like, his <laughs> songs. Yeah. yeah. It was... I mean, this was after a bunch of new wave movements. Or they, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure on the time frame, you know, when, when uh, uh, the French new wave was happening. But I, I think it must have been around this time because... In 64 was when, uh, I think it was 64. You know what? I shouldn't even say dates. Like the, the, the mid sixties is when the graduate and guess who's coming to dinner, uh, in the heat of the night, uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Which year? Were up in, against, uh, best picture. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure which year it was against Dr. Doolittle, which was more like a traditional Hollywood movie. But these other ones had been influenced by the French New Wave, which had been going on. And there must have been other European influences that were going on. Like I, like I said, it reminded me of Italian neorealism uh, with the Italian cities being empty after the war and the devastation. Except for these, these scenes weren't devastated, except you get the feeling that they were just because there's no people around. Yeah. Like there's a emptiness is is troubling yeah yeah there's there's only it's a, eerie there's only a, a few movies that i can can even relate to with that that sort of eeriness like uh, like i said the quiet earth was the first one that came to mind because it's it's very similar in style the the other movie too that even while we were just kind of going along was a little bit at the beginning of uh, escape from new york mm-hmm. where where you know when when uh, pluskin's first going through town uh, but then, but then there were other signs of life that showed up. So it wasn't like you know, not too much of that movie, but definitely right. an ominous feeling at first. But then after a while, just very like desperation. You just get this desperation from uh, from um, Belafonte's character. You know, just anything. He's looking for anything. You know, a couple mannequins. Those will do. You know, <laughs> like how could everyone have disappeared? Yeah. Like I yeah. would be freaking out too. Like there's got to be somebody. Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. I just think that the the way they handled that is really cool. There's, I've heard there is a bomb that can just vaporize everyone and leave the building standing. Wow. Yeah, so the hydrogen bomb or something else like that, you know, where they would like leave actual just like the shadows of people. Yeah, like the, the neutron bomb or something. I was looking online to see what it's called. The Solarbrenite. But yeah, there's definitely weaponry that can just eliminate human life, maybe all life, I don't know, and leave buildings standing. And that just sounds like the craziest thing in the world to me. Like, so that you can exterminate people and then just live in those buildings or something afterwards? Or, like, why is that important to do? That seems so twisted to me. It's the deterrent of having a weapon that can eliminate something so totally that it was supposed to be, we're not going to use it because we know 
it'll end everything. And you're not going to use it because you know it'll end everything. And if you do use it, we'll use it. And yeah. that's the thing, right? Except for in this movie, they do use it. Well, even yeah. even the, the, the lack of bodies yeah. Yeah. itself, the lack of like yeah, so... any carnage, none whatsoever. Like you don't even see a single body. He's breaking into places, he's opening cars. There's just... That, it's just so, yeah, that would drive me mad. I'm sure. Like, mm-hmm. even just the lack, the lack thereof of there being any, any, you know, like, yeah, that's. I, I would insane. assume I was in a coma or something like that. <laughs> you know, like, this I, is impossible. Or I'm dreaming it. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah I love that. I love that, that thing in movies where instead of going, you know, here's a bloody body, like, there's just nothing. Instead, like instead of screaming, there's silence. I really like that idea of that something can be eerie without without really having to smack you in the face with it. And I just really liked the tone and the atmosphere. Mm. So he finally enters the city after he takes. He has to end up taking a boat because there's the the way is just so congested that it's blocked. He has to get into there to and he's running around all over the you know, the streets, these tall buildings, like places. He even gets and uh, he can see the Statue of Liberty at some point. He he's just running all over New York looking for any sign of life and there is nothing. He finally breaks down when he gets into a church and and uh from that point he is starting to realize he has to take care of himself because we see him with a wagon. He's got food. He's still looking for people, but he knows no one is going to fix this for me. So he uh, he ends up setting up shop, basically, at a hotel. He, and we see that this guy is a freaking genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, he just starts... Tinkering. He's I mean, yeah. Handy, man. Totally. At everything. Radio, um, at, uh, electricity. Electricity. <laughs> he fixes up cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, he knows a little bit of everything. He says he was working on the water and at one point, even, so he, he knows how to do that, too. Yeah. And mine. Man of all trades. Mm-hmm. He can sing, he can dance, he can mine. As the perfect man. Can act. Oh, yeah. He can act, too. He's, you know, Harry Belafonte did a really good job. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think that his... I think they all did a good job, but yeah. I think that his performance Steals really shines. Show. Really shines, yeah. yeah. Steals the show, in my opinion. The only thing he didn't do a good job at is running. Yeah, uh, he was, he was, <laughs> Campo mentioned that he's definitely a little light on the light on his feet. And, and I didn't really notice it at first, but but, like... As soon as she mentioned it, I was like, "Oh yeah, he's kind of because he's kind of doing like a little hop." Yeah, he has a he has a very strange kind of gait to it. It's like this is a dancer who is running. He's not used to running. You know, he's he's holding his his elbows akimbo and not really moving them, and just kind of stretching his legs (laughs) out in a hopping manner. Like it's kind of comical to see, but it's not supposed to be. I don't know what to make of it. Leave him alone. He's just running. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry, Mr. Belafonte. Well. It's really funny you mentioned that because I think at the end of the movie he talked about how he's not very good at running. Oh, he did. Yeah, 
He did mention that. Oh, yeah, he said, I never, yeah, it's not really my thing. Yeah, Yeah. it's not really my thing, running. Yeah, Yeah, totally. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He looked at the camera and winked. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So he invades a hotel. He he sets up shop in there. He's doing the electricity. He's got everything else going. Uh, Apparently, there's a guest appearance by Robbie the Robot, which I didn't see. Yeah, totally. Totally he shows up only for one scene. Oh, and then Robbie the Robot? You don't know who Robbie the Robot No, I don't is. know who you're talking about when you say that. Oh, well, you know, he he's he's a robot, like, so kind of, uh, I would say bipedal. You know, he's got arms, legs, and then a, a clear glass kind of um, head where you see a bunch of, like, gears mm-hmm. and things moving on the inside. Is he Does from he- something? Oh, Forbidden Planet. Forbidden Planet, okay. Forbidden Robbie the Robot. Planet. Yeah, Robbie the Robot's awesome, man. He looks really cool, iconic, science fiction look, which is kind of funny why they, like, he's, like, on the ledge, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It's knocking over the past to make way for the future, which is bleak. Very bleak. But but why why it's so funny is because, like, he's there, and then he, like, runs outside and gets something. When he comes back, he's gone, man. Uh, Gone, baby, gone. that one minute. Yep, he's out. (laughs) He's out. (laughs) Get that POS out of here. It was just a toy or something. I was yeah, like, it was oh, a little action figure uh, kind of thing or something sitting on the ledge. Well, he might have not even knocked it over when he was like... I don't like, know, yeah. We I own this notice. movie now, so I can rewatch it for all the details. Yeah, Robbie the Robot's cool, though. Cool so design. He sets up shop in this hotel. This is now where he's living. But we, this is at the point where we see that there's somebody watching him. Well, actually, Joel. What? It was before this. Oh. What happened was, is he was walking, he went into the radio station. Yeah. And he played the tape and figured out a little more detail of what, what was going on. Right. Basically about the radioactive isotopes. He basically, I mean, it's really morbid, but he pretty much hears a dude, like, die Every, or yeah. disappear. Everybody yeah. drops off. Yeah. yeah. At the same Until time. Until there's one voice. Until there's yeah. one voice on the radio and then it's gone. Yeah. 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 Pretty brutal. And then uh, after that, he just walks outside and, like, tosses a 50-cent piece or something on the ground. Yeah. And then walks off. Uh, and then, I maybe, like, I'd say maybe less than a minute, maybe 30 seconds later, you see a pair of lady shoes kind of... Going set, after. Kinda, yeah, walk into the scene, pass the coin, and then dart off. Oh, so it's like a shot of only his feet? Yeah. He yeah. Yeah, he drops the yeah, it's yeah. a really cool shot. Yeah, oh, that's cool. I wish I had seen that. But I was too busy getting more Diet Coke. It was like his shoes for a second, then him dropping the money, then him walking away, and then like a few seconds later, you see her shoes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes and, like, you need refreshing diet coke. Let's talk. Yeah. Continue watching a movie though. Not only does it just for the taste mind. of it, diet coke. <laughs> Sarah's totally right though. It's it is an awesome scene. So there's a lot of fantastic cinematography going in the entire movie. It's really pretty. Just, like, wide shots of the city and the, and the way it's empty and, and the way people, the, the way they're just walking down these empty streets. At some points where they're, like, at the ocean side and they can, they've got, ah, I can't even talk about it. I'm, I'm getting all, I'm getting all tongue-tied. It's really. It's something that needs to be experienced for sure. Yeah. yeah absolutely. 
I'm so glad you guys liked it because I didn't know if you would. Oh, and I didn't I, say I liked it. And well. I was afraid revisiting it that it might not be as good as I remembered it being. It only but gets I'm... two stars because it only had two songs, remember? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you guys have any problems with it? I had a couple there, minor ones, but... Yeah, I definitely had some some, some issues with the, with the film. But uh, I'd say overall, I, I'd watch it again, more yeah. than likely. But I mean... Yeah, well, let's get more to the story, and then and then I, I can I can discuss more of my more some of my criticisms. So. Okay, I really like the scenes where he's just by himself, or like he pulls a couple mannequins into his <laughs> apartment or whatever, and he starts talking to them, and it's kind of just funny to hear him just talk just talk on his own. He's kind of voicing all of these ideas that he's having, and some of this residual. I guess, social repartee that he's used to having with anybody. And, uh, yeah, I really like those scenes where he's kind of just audibly, like, he's just saying what he's thinking and trying to fill the void somehow. Mm-hmm. Like he drops a cigarette in the, or he's like, he lights a cigarette and then drops it in the mannequin, the mannequin lady's hand. Like, it's like, here, you want a puff? All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and that's like the, the first time he walks up to the uh, the mannequin. And he's like, he's like, you're smiling, aren't you? You know, and he kind of walks away and puffs <laughs> a cigarette, puts it back. Yeah, you're always smiling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. but it's that smile that eventually kills him. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it would probably kill me too. Oh yeah, well, just looking at some mannequin smiling all the time, yeah. I'd be like, go away. I think I'd be. I think I'd rather just draw a face on like a ball or something like Wilson style from Castaway. (laughs) Because I don't, yeah, mannequins are kind of creepy. Well, I mean, at this point, he thinks he's the only dude left, you know, there's nothing else going on. So, I mean, the mannequin is the closest thing to like to represent a human. So, you know, just, just to have that basic interaction I think that's that was what it was. The purpose served, whether or not he was happy about it or not. You know, that definitely uh, he needed at least something to vent at. I think you know, like what Sarah was saying. I just put a smiley face on a basketball. It's great conversation. <laughs> <laughs> You're just afraid of mannequins, I think. Yeah, I'm not one of those people that grew up sexually attracted to mannequins, like all those mannequin on the move lovers. Okay, I'm not. I'm not one of those people. What was Joel, that? Joel, was they that, came to life, Joel. That Nick Jr. show where they came to life? <laughs> when the store closed? Nick Jr. where the mannequins came to life. Yeah, it's like, I, think it, I think that was a show that ended, or began right at the end of Nick Jr. Oh, okay. I think that's what you're thinking. I don't know. I was like, were they were they mannequins and kids incorporated? <laughs> like, how did yeah. this work? Jennifer Love Hewitt was a mannequin. <laughs> and uh, wasn't that, the, like, the first... Doctor Who, when they yeah. relaunched it. Yeah, with Billy Piper yeah. and yeah. the mannequins. That was actually an existing monster, though. It wasn't just made up for that uh, that particular uh, episode. Cool. I did not know that. But well, it's, well. It's, just, it's just a plastic-based life form. And, right. and, and the previous incarnation that I can remember, he just didn't have a face or anything, and it could shoot, like, yeah, the same similar gun mechanism mm-hmm. was also used. Uh, gun hand thing. There were some things that I thought I kind of saw in Doctor Who that kind of seemed similar to this in some parts. I mean, obviously, there's no Doctor and they're not traveling through space and time. But what? Spoiler. 
(laughs) (laughs) This kind of reminded me of, um, yeah, Twilight Zone, like you were saying. Yeah, Twilight Zone was the first thing. I definitely, at the very beginning, it started feeling a little bit like a, yeah, definitely Twilight Zone. Yep, when they all had pig faces. (laughs) And like the day that Earth stood still, um, the first one, maybe. There was an invasion in that, but... Right, I don't think that anything... That didn't have any similarities at all? I mean, all those sci-fis did that were... I mean, that was another message sci-fi. That was like That's a That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So eventually, this after he kills the, the male mannequin for smiling too much... Tosses him right out the window. Yep. Uh, we get to meet the actual lady here, uh, Sarah. Sarah? Not me, Sarah. What do you think of Sarah? <laughs> oh, I really like her. I, I don't know if I've seen her in other movies or not, but but I do have a little bit of a problem with this because I feel like we didn't really know her as much as a character. Like, I feel like she did a really good job. And I like their interactions, but at the same time, I feel like we don't really know much about her, except for she's how old. she survived yeah. and how and that she's young and not married. Yeah, she seems nice enough. Yeah, she is and nice. Nothing else. But you don't really know much about her. Yeah, it's not. I mean, her her character is there for uh, Ralph. That's what his name is, right? Yeah, Ralph. So that he can have interactions with another person, it feels like. And that, I mean, that gets the whole wheel rolling with the the message of the movie. If she wasn't there. No, she, yeah. We wouldn't see these, like, like frankly, awkward situations. And it's so, it's so interesting to me how it works out. Because she, she is fine. She seems so fine with this. And it's like, obviously, he's a... He's a nice enough guy, and it's not like I have much choice, but he is so hesitant to to even acknowledge that there might be something between them. It's like there's nobody else on the planet. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't really even know the best way to br- really bring this up, but it's like, we didn't grow up in that era. No, I, yeah, I don't. You totally. Know, like, I have no understanding... At all. I mean, I read. You can read about the times of, of you know the late fifties, early sixties, you know, but but I think truly being able to understand uh, what's going on is totally an, an, another thing entirely. And I just think that you know everything from before was still bothering him. Yeah, and I I know this Harry Belafonte was really involved in the civil rights movement too, and was a close friend with Dr. Martin Luther King and. And I feel like the roles that he chose might have had some of the... He had standards for what he wanted to represent in film, too. Have you ever seen him in another movie? I feel like I have, but I honestly don't remember which ones. Mm. I know his music a lot. He did represent ghost-human equality in Beetlejuice, but that's a, that's the only <laughs> other thing I've ever, <laughs> ever seen in him. And he wasn't actually there. It certainly did upset me that he wasn't even willing to like consider it like yeah no question in his mind like it was just so entirely improper that <sighs> the scene where they are having lunch and he has set her up 
completely set her up in a different building, like an entirely different building. And he's got the phones to work, so he's also a wizard at getting phones to work. Mm -hmm. And he's set up a radio so he can make calls at noon every day just to send out there, like, this is an ongoing message. Uh, Every day at noon, we're going to send out a message. Please respond if you hear this. And she, they're having lunch at his place, and she says... I think I should move into your building. It'll just be more convenient. And his response is, or he says no, and she's like, why? And he says, people will talk. Yep. People will talk. People will talk. He's just so willing to not give up. I think, yeah, I think it's so a part of his psychology that he can't Probably been taught all his life. It's trouble. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're not, don't cause trouble. Don't go looking for trouble. This is trouble. And you, you know, this, your whole life, you've been learning this. You can't, there are certain things you cannot do. No matter who wants you to, you cannot cross this line. That when he says people will talk, like when he said it in the movie, I like, the firework went off in my brain. It's like such a, oh, such a good script moment. Yeah. Ah. I know. And it's it there are a couple of lines like that where it's just getting right to I guess just how asinine it is that the the problems that they're dealing with but at the same time like how true and how real they were too. Yeah. And I feel like she pretty much likes him from the get-go. Initially, she's scared because she doesn't know who's still alive. She doesn't know anybody, you know? Right. But I feel like right from the get-go, she's open with him as soon as they, you know, as soon as they meet each other and they start talking, she's trying to go over to his house for lunch and she's trying to live in his building and she's, you know, wanting to hang out with him and interact with him. Be friendly with the only other person, not to to mention he's... He's a nice person. He's he's a charming guy. He's a handsome guy. You know, why not? Eh? Eh? Aaron? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, just, I, I think this is where my criticism for the movie grows, though, is when, is during the haircut. Really? Yeah. Um, this is the time where we actually see something he's not good at. And it's actually really intense. I, I, uh, yeah, go, go ahead. I, Okay, so so you know she uh, they're they're having lunch. You know she she's made lunch for him or whatever. Uh, it looked like it was a bunch of Ritz crackers. Basically, <laughs> is what they ate. I, I don't know. That's what that was my impression. I could be wrong, <laughs> but it looked like some Ritz crackers. You I know, these Ritz myself. And uh, you know he's 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 just cleaning up. He's just cleaning up. You know, and then he uh, scrapes everything onto one plate. And while he's talking, he just kind of scrapes all the other crackers on another plate. You know, and then. Lines up all the plates and looks around, opens up the window and just chucks all the plates out. Yeah. And he turns around, he says a line of dialogue, and then he, and then he, then he waits, he pauses so he, just so he can hear the plates, like, shatter as they hit the ground. Yeah. It takes a while <laughs> for them to shatter. Yeah. And, then, and then she just kind of, like, she's just like, well, why didn't, you know, why didn't <laughs> you just turn on the sink? Or, I, I, I excuse me, that, that might be an entirely different line. Yeah. But that was my impression. Like, why didn't you wash them? Yeah, why didn't you wash them? That's what it was. And he was like, well, it takes a long time to walk water up here. And she just kind of walks over the sink and 
turns them on and then stares at him, you know, like, and, and she's like, the, the tank's up on top of the building, you know, and, and, and he's like, well, look at that, you know? And, yeah. And then she kind of looks at him and she's like, looks like you don't know everything, do ya? Because, yeah. like, the entire time he's, she, he's just talking about all these things he's doing and what he can do and... He's, yeah. not, he's acting so weird that... And he, he's, like, purposely ignoring the fact that she's obviously upset at the interaction that they had. Yeah, yeah. And, like, what do you expect? But <sighs> what goes on with the rest of the scene is just, like... Well, and it just gets more infuriating. Escalates. Because... because you know, she's obviously getting very upset and and not being very straightforward with it, with, with, with how she's being upset. And, you know, just kind of explains how she's like, you know, well, I, I, can be, I can be upset if I want to, you know, kind of kind of attitude. And then and then it definitely comes to that haircut where she's just like, you know, why, why don't you try cutting my hair? You know, and, he, and then and he starts cutting and he's getting just increasingly more angry. And it's it's very unsettling. It's very unsettling. Mm-hmm. Uh and then he's just like furiously cutting her hair at that point, and it's just like, oh my god, like I don't know. I, I, and it's your issue that uh, you lost a bit of uh, sympathy for the character at that point. Uh, it kind of took me out of the film a little bit. Mm. The how upset he was getting, and I mean, I shouldn't really be one to judge. It's not like I've been in a situation where I'm one of the only last people on Earth. But well, what about the other? I, I just don't think, I, huh? The other day, when you were the last person on Earth. No. Oh. Uh, that didn't happen. Must have been a dream. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a dream, Joel. <laughs> but it just, it upset me. Yeah. It upset me. I can understand how it can upset someone. It was pretty unsettling. For me, I think, number one, it was probably a really difficult scene to act out. Oh like, my God, when yes. they were told this is what's going to happen in this scene and you need to take it from here to here. And go through this range of emotions. I think that must have been difficult to pull off. But I think, I think that it's the subtext is just his frustration with himself and probably the romantic tension between them because he probably wants to be with her, but he can't let himself because she's white. Basically, I feel like that's the subtext of the whole haircut part is she says, you know, cut my hair or whatever. And he's getting so frustrated. And he was already he already had one outburst at that point when and that's what she wanted. She wanted an emotional reaction. Yeah. And then she moves on to this. Oh, no, you have to cut my hair. You're the only one around. He's he's like repeatedly saying, I don't want to. Yeah, I can't do it. I've never done it before. Don't ask me to do this. And when he gets to it, you know, it's, yeah, it is, it's hair pulling. She tells she tells him when he starts cutting just a little bit, she goes, be brave. And I feel like he takes it as like, that's the snapping point for him is like, I already told you, I don't know what I'm doing. I already told you, I don't want to do this. And I'm so frustrated with these other things that are going on that I think that's why he ends up, her hair ends up being the poor victim of this <laughs> frustration. <laughs> oh, like even talking about it, I'm just getting so tense. Like, and maybe, maybe that's why this movie's pretty awesome. Is it yeah. you know, got a rise out of me? Yeah. You know? Yeah. If that scene's intention was to get a reaction yeah. out of us. Congratulations, it, it, it movie. Did, for sure. Yeah. Congratulations. Maybe it's just because I have seen it a few times, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like there are other scenes in movies from back in that time period that I've seen where there's a romantic conflict and the man doesn't know how to express his feelings. Mm-hmm. And he has this like outburst in some way of like, 
you know, throwing a bottle at the wall or, you know, or crashing a car or something. Yeah, back then, you did see men throw a woman against a wall out of frustration in movies. Um, That is true. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying he acted in a good way as that character. I'm just saying that I... I feel like I understand that scene. I don't know. And it is uncomfortable. It's super uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. It doesn't really come to anything after that. Anyways, it's it's not like the relationship is irreparably Oh, no, no, broken, no, 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 no. Which is, is kind of interesting. Well, I, I mean, let's be honest here. They're the last two people, known people in the world. Yeah. I mean, I, no matter how much they yelled at each other at, during that scene... I mean, come tomorrow. Who else are they going to talk to? Who else are they going to yell at? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I found somebody really annoying and we were the last two people on Earth, I'd probably just book it. <laughs> <laughs> well, see ya. I got my basketball with a face on it. Well, he disappears for a few days and then he says, I had something on my mind that I had to get out of my mind. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was, again, him just saying, like, nope, this can't happen. Yeah. He went off to that prostitute place and slept with a bunch of mannequins to get over. Well, the, the next scene we see is him back in the, um, is back at the radio station. Right. And he's, he's chatting away, you know, and, and then there we have it. You know, he gets his, he finally gets his response. <laughs> yeah, he finally hears someone else out there in the abyss. Yeah. And it's not very clear. Uh, he, in fact, he's like, you know, you have to turn up your, I don't know. Amplify your power so I can hear you. Or I don't. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what he said, but that kind of sounds about right. Technical jargon. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the response is, you know, you know, here's some. I believe it was uh, French. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then it goes quiet. And at first, he gets really excited, but then, then he just gets really sad. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting emotional response, you know, like to see him go through that. It's complicated. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of complicated things going on. Like, he obviously is vigilant about finding out if there is anybody else out there. Because yeah. he so wants to know that there are other people out there. But then he finds out, oh, there is someone out there. And his his reaction is happy at first. But then immediately after, he thinks, oh, wait, this could be the worst thing that yeah. It's a good it's a great thing. It's a blessing, but at the same time it could be the worst thing ever. Yep. Because he might have to go back to this idea that he's had of himself what little freedom he's allowed himself to feel from the class or whatever he's been defined in. Um what would you say about that, Joel? When he hears the voice on the radio in French and he goes, he's happy at first and he's like yeah. God bless, you know, thank God I heard you. And then after that, there's that moment of, like, pain, and you can see he's, like, wondering if he should tell her. And I mean, he's already decided. And it's it's almost like this gives him what he needs to be like, see, I told you, there was absolutely no reason for you to be interested in me because... There are other people out there. I heard somebody today. Yeah. You know, other choices. Now, he reveals it to her during a special birthday party that he set up for her. You know, it's like 
upstairs at a fancy restaurant. He's he has he's pressed his own record <laughs> for the occasion. <laughs> uh, he, he went to the record. He, he, Recording studio, he recorded a record, and on top of that, then he went to the newspaper mm-hmm. as well and uh, uh, made a very sketchy looking newspaper. Yeah, he's, you know? he's not that good at that. <laughs> uppercase, lowercase, uppercase, lowercase, uppercase. Yeah. Happy birthday! <laughs> Send the money to. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's cool. No, I no, thought that was rather sweet. Yeah. Though. Just too many talents in this man. Even though he's not a good barber, she fixes her hair because she shows up and he's like, "Did I do that?" Ah. Like, no, actually, she fixed it. <laughs> you screwed it up real bad. She had to salvage yeah, it. Yeah, screwed, screwed that one up. Dude. Nice try. Never trusting you with a pair of scissors again. He revealed, you know, she wants this person to be her companion. She wants someone to be close to. Like, if it, even if it wasn't like a romantic thing, it, like, there's not even a familial connection between them between them you know he's looking out for her she wants to feel safe and he is just like like she's like let's dance it's my birthday like i can't dance with you i know and that's the other criticism i have too is because it's like you know he's doing all these very sweet things but it's almost like a backhanded compliment in a lot of ways you know like it's just like i made this cake for you that's it. <laughs> like, so, you can't even hug me. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just really irritating. It is irritating. Oh. Oh. It is irritating, but it's also super effective. Yeah. yeah. It's super effective. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Belafonte uses birthday cake. It's super effective. Okay. Uh, <laughs> At this point, we might as well bring in the third guy. Yeah, when does that happen? Is it that happens, w- it, well? Basically, what happens is, is after the birthday party, after he tells her, you know, hey, we heard this thing going on. He's at home and he gets a phone call uh, about a boat. There's yeah, a boat. That's right. She calls and him. and and uh, you know, and he's like, "Are you sure? Are you, is it manned?" Says so he'll be there in about ten minutes or whatever. And yeah, and then basically, you know, they get there and uh, and they're waving the boat down, and the boat shows up. Definitely. Charlton uh, Heston shows There's a dude, there's a beard dude in there. He's beardly. It's fell off of the uh, spaceship on the Planet of the Apes. It's Audrey Hepburn's husband. Oh. Mel Ferrer. It's Mel Ferrer, yeah. With the a audience beard. Claps. There he is, folks. The man you've been waiting for. The white man you've been waiting for. <laughs> Answer to all of Harry Belafonte's problems. That guy. Well... You know, he, uh, <laughs> he could have been fine. He, he made quite a journey, you know. He, he when they find him, he's like, he's like, well, I've been down south and I didn't find anybody. I can't do his voice, and that's a very horrible <laughs> representation of his Charlton Heston kind of esque. Yeah, it sounded fine <laughs> voice there at the beginning, and he's like, he's like tied himself to the seat so he could like stay upright while he's like steering, steering, yeah, and. They're so happy to see him, and they want to make sure he's okay, because he's basically falling over. So, he does some, like, medical, like, triage stuff for him, doesn't like, he? Another skill that Belafonte yeah. has is apparently he's a medic. Yeah. But, I mean, that kind of makes sense, though. <laughs> when you're in a mine, I'm sure, when you're in a mine, when you're a miner, I'm sure it's really important to have, like, medical skills. So yeah. Be able to, to like, 
put on a, what am I looking for, tourniquet and stuff, whatever. But this dude's, like, really good with needles and medicine. He's, mm. like, squirting medicine needles into him. He's sculpting a, a bust of him, and <laughs> then he, he had the blueprints for another building he was going to build himself. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, and I think I've learned how to clone humans. <laughs> Thanks, Harry. Ralph. Whatever. But, yeah. This guy is, uh, trouble. <laughs> He's not. <laughs> he seems fine at first. He seems nice at first. Yeah. I would agree that he's kind of like a snake in the grass. Yeah. He gets a chip on his shoulder. Like, as soon as he's upright, like, oh. Well, naturally, I'm going to be taking the role of the person in charge. You know, he's, he's not exactly ordering Ralph around or anything like that, but he's certainly like, I don't know, he's he's just imposing, he imposes himself so, so much. And uh, Ralph is like pushing him on to Sarah, too. Yeah. There's, there's the fact that he's pushing him to them towards each other, and... He makes himself pretty scarce once he shows up, and once he knows he's he's you know healthy, he just kind of like, well, I got things to do, you know. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, that's like the most heartbreaking part for me. I mean, there's a couple moments before where it's heartbreaking that he's in all this turmoil, and she can't understand why. But um, as soon as this guy shows up, what's the character's name? Bur- Benson. Benson. Yes. Oh. Huh. I don't the, remember the that. The famous TV show. Um, when he shows up, it's like he, it's like Ralph just disappears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I feel like he, he feels like he needs to stay away. And you find out pretty soon that the other guy thinks he needs to, too. Like, yes, you're right. You were right. To to make sure we were going to be together because that's that's what I want anyways. Yep. And if there's only three of us and there's only one of her, yeah. Then I am going to take it. You know, like it's yep. a like it's a possession. Like, like she's a possession. Yeah. And like, when it comes to sexual politics. This movie is not. That is not the message of this movie. No, yeah. no. But it's like he feels that he has a right. Not only to just be with this woman who he hasn't even really gotten to know, but to to take anything that Ralph has, maybe. Mm-hmm. Just just commandeer it from him immediately because of who he is. He's very entitled. Yeah. Absolutely. Very entitled. Doesn't uh, he say something like, I could just have you if I wanted to or something yeah. like that to yeah. her? When it gets down to it, when she has made it clear that, like, I don't, I mean, there's intense moments where she's looking for any sort, she still wants a a connection with somebody, something that Ralph is just not getting, giving to her. So she, uh, she kisses him. She kisses, yeah, she kisses Benson, which, of course, sends him crazy, like, well, this is naturally going to happen, obviously. Uh, you know, she kissed me, yeah. Why are you fighting it? Yeah, why are you fighting it? Yeah, why But it's because she is desperate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And But she doesn't want him that way. Like, it, the, the more she gets to know him, the, the less she seems to like him. It's it, like she can't have 
Ralph. She doesn't want Benson. She doesn't need to choose. Like, it's... He's trying to force her to... He's trying to force her to choose. Right. And she says, I'm not going to. He basically tells her, I could just take you physically if I wanted to because I'm strong or whatever and I could do that. She says, you know, that he's... Doesn't she say... Oh, that's the scene where he starts being kind of crude with her and saying... You're a woman, I'm a man, so, mm-hmm. like, let's get the talking over with kind of thing. And, um... Yeah, pretty much. Let's speed this up now. Yeah. <laughs> that's no definitely... No that's definitely <laughs> the opposite of it. Ralph never got invited over and assumed it's that really... she wanted to sleep with him. It's And maybe she did, but that's his natural assumption. Well, he he kind of goes from maybe a little charming at the beginning to, like, really scary. Like, yeah. really fast. Yeah. Like, at first you're kind of like, oh, maybe he's going to be an okay guy. But then the way that he even just starts talking to Ralph. Yeah. It's just like, whoa, whoa, this land is your land, huh? He has to this man, This land is my land too, buddy. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I have no problem with you, but I just want you to know that this is, I'm in charge. You know, I don't even know. Yeah. I feel like Harry... Belafonte's character is a gentleman and you know he might be a working class guy or whatever but he knows how to be polite he knows etiquette he knows how to be nice to her and to not try to insinuate himself in any way and just you know not only does he not assume that he has a right to her but he assumes he doesn't, you know, just right. straight out. He just doesn't even see that as an option. And then she goes from that to this guy who I think Mel Ferrer did a really good job because he he comes off seeming so nice and normal in the beginning. And then you realize that he's a real nightmare um, and that there are probably a lot of people like that who seem real nice. And then you find out what they're really like. Um, it's not yeah. like he's evil either. I mean, the situation is there are three people on this planet right now for them. There's one woman. There are two men. He, I mean, we don't we don't get to see his character develop other than being a foil to their Sarah and Ralph's potential love. It like Ralph eventually. Reveals that he does love Sarah. He says, I, I love you because I love you. It's like something yeah. something he's done. Like, why did you do that? Because I love you. But it's still not like, I love you, but we're not going to be together. Yeah. It still can't happen. Poor Sarah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Sarah. No, I just feel so bad for her in this movie. I would She's just looking for a connection. You know, Ralph. Ralph is... I mean, other than, you know, make baking her a cake, he doesn't even want to look at her most of the time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, and then this dude comes along and all he wants to do is just hop in her pants, you know? Like yeah. That's, he's like, oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, look, it's, uh, you know, some time of the day. Let's do it, you know? Let's, yeah. let's get this going, you know? And, and Enough with this it's not a, It's not about her, but I feel like... It, I probably would have rather have been dead than to be the last woman on Earth in that year with a couple <laughs> of guys fighting. Yeah. I mean, I probably would have just been like, just help me out of this situation yeah. somehow because it could have gotten really ugly. And I'm glad that she 
was okay, even though they were fighting and even though there was ugliness, like she was able to find a person left in the world who was still nice and civil. And I feel like there's an attraction there. Yeah. Ralph is, is, Ralph is a dude who's like, you know, he's just a good guy. Yeah. You know, Benson. (laughs) Well, maybe. Benson's attractive to him. That's where all the rage comes from. I mean, he did take a male mannequin (laughs) and a female mannequin. This is on the edge of the (laughs) 60s, you know? uh, The sexual revolution is just about, just around the corner there, guys. Come on. Let's break open that seal. See what's at the, see what's in the middle. You know what I mean. (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, So, after she, (laughs) (laughs) Sarah basically rejects Benson. Yeah. And he decides, there's only one way I can fix this. I mean, he just like... He says, I'm going to go take care of this problem. With a gun. And we know what's going to happen. Yeah. So he goes over and confronts Ralph. Is that when he calls him a a fancy spider? <laughs> Did that happen earlier? Uh, that happened during that scene. <laughs> yeah. It's some sort of fancy spider always behind my sh- right behind my he shoulder. Dro- he drops a gun down yeah. and, a, and like, you know, like a six-shooter or whatever, yeah. and drops six bullets down and then just looks at him like... Tosses like, him. like you throw him the gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah. But then he loads it, <laughs> right? He loads it. So then, so, you know, it's like set up where it's like, wait, is this it? You're gonna shoot me now? I brought you back to life? And you're gonna kill me, you know? That's what, yeah. that's what it feels that like. That was more like a 40s film noir type thing because yeah. he was like, what are, what are you doing? Waiting for the phone to ring. And he's just like loading yeah. his gun. And then the phone rings and uh, yeah. Ralph reaches for it and he's like, don't answer that phone. I want her to think what you're you not. think is happening is happening, basically. Yeah. Yeah, but it's so weird how he comes up to him. It's like an old, like, style duel or something. Yeah. He comes up to him and he's like, I don't like you. This is th- I didn't want it to come to this, but like I've got to kill you basically. So just know that I'm going <laughs> to be trying to kill you. And then instead he, of just shooting you, I'm going to give you a sporting it's chance. A, it's almost like yeah, like like I'm I I'm going to be a gentleman about it and tell you I plan to kill you, and then I'll I'll at some juncture later in time I might kill you. I may want you dead. <laughs> I'm not an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's like trying to like keep this like gentlemanly kind of kind of like, like slap with yeah, the yeah. glove. Here's my glove, like, sir. Here's your gun, sir. I'll meet you at noon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, when uh, he leaves, Harry, Harry, uh, or not Harry, but the character's not named Harry. But Ralph leaves to go to Sarah's place, and uh, uh, Benson's got a sniper's point. Just start shooting at him. Yelling about, I told you to get a rifle. I don't remember saying that. Who knows? He didn't say that. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe that was so a line cut back. out. But all of a sudden, we've got two guys. Does Does Ralph ever fire a shot? Yeah, he does. Oh, okay. It, what he does is, um, and what was really cool about that scene was he he goes down into like a, a subway entrance. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and, and you see and you see it's all flooded, yeah. and you see all the trash and everything, and 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 you know junk kind of floating in the water, mm-hmm. and it looks really cool, and you know kind of like shows you that obviously it, it's kind of one of those scenes where it's like um, because everything's so you know. Everything's Nothing's on fire. Right. There's no broken windows. There was no mass, like, but riot things are kind of thing. Up. But then you see this, like, oh, yeah, that's right. Things are kind of messed up around here. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's almost like a very jarring experience yeah. seeing him wade through the water. So you can kind of get, like, a vantage point. He yeah. sees him up on the roof and goes, Patoo! 
and basically all we've been yeah. seeing is their like the way they fixed up their area. So, yeah. So for the last uh, forty-five minutes or something of the movie, we've been seeing that they've got their their little piece of civilization into almost normality. Yeah. Almost. I don't even know normality is a word, but it's something. <laughs> normality is a word. It is now. It's a word. It's a point and click adventure game that normality I when I normalcy. was a teenager. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, the, he's running away. They're getting shot at. He's getting shot at. Then I think we get a little heavy-handed. <laughs> well, yeah, like like in the way to kill a mockingbird is what? I don't know. I feel like it's sort of you know the mo- the when he shoots that dog. You know, it's it's just it's a cool moment. Mm-hmm. And it's actually one of the moments I actually kind of really respect in this movie. I mean, I respected several moments, but this mm-hmm. is one that I just, I really liked. Mm-hmm. Was, was you know, they're, they're kind of chasing after each other. Again, these shots are really cool, yeah, by the no, way. These great. shots yeah. are, like, beautiful. It's amazing. Like, yeah. and, and, and part of me, I kind of, after this, I'm probably going to do some more research just to figure out how the heck they got New York. <laughs> how the heck did they get the, this we many? We were talking about this when you, you stepped away for a second uh. that I, I read on IMDb Trivia, so who knows if it's true or not, sure. that, that they just, all they did was film before the city woke up, basically, like at the beginning of dawn wow. up until like 8 a.m. Which, okay. which when, wouldn't work now. Right, absolutely not. There's, there's not a point in the time when the city is not sleeps. awake now. Yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like they must have had it corded off in some yeah. way. Too. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And like I said, they hosed off the pigeons, so they weren't around. <laughs> it's, just, it's beautiful, though. Like, yeah. There's yeah. some great shots. But then, he, you know, he runs to this mon- He runs into the, to a, a monument. Mm-hmm. And, you he know, runs he, into a montage. And, <laughs> and he, you know, and, and I, I'm going to butcher it. No, yeah, I, I feel the same it. way. Should I look it up? Or? Like the montage? The, or no, the, 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 the monument, rather. Yeah. The quote. Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. Swords to plowshares, I believe, is one of the lines. Uh, you know, but, but basically, the end being that 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 men will know war no more. Yeah, that was essentially what it was. I think it was in front of the United. I think it's in front of the United Nations. Oh, mm-hmm. because you know he's running by the flags. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would make sense that this would be a place where this quote would be true. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's holding the gun. He looks down and he just kind of drops it. You know, yeah. he's like, you know, I've had it. He has principles again. It's like he comes. Yeah. He. Short temper, but he's got principles. Yeah, yeah. he does, and the, and the temper I think has to do with with where he was and where he was coming from. Yeah, but and also just his inner struggles with um, what he was feeling and the fact that men, especially back then, were told to like not show any feelings, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do think that at this point, you know, he said, "I'm not gonna." I'm not going to just take this woman and make her my girlfriend or whatever. <laughs> He's He basically says, I'm not just going to take a gun and start shooting at somebody. That's not what I believe in. I think he says smoochy friends, not girlfriend. Mm. They're just going to be smoochy friends. Yeah, and it's a respectable moment. He yeah. he thinks about it and he drops his gun, even though he knows this guy is about to come up to him and shoot him. It is a glorious monument. And it is, like I said, the shots are just so... So oh, beautiful, yeah. absolutely beautiful. But I almost feel like he could have, they could have kept him from seeing that, and he could have just come to the realization that is fruitless for this to be happening without it literally being in his face. Hey, it's going to be okay. <laughs> I, I agree with you, Joel, that he probably could have found it inside of himself. Right. But I, I think it was just more of also, uh, 
because Ralph seems to be so focused on the on the past. Mm. You know, he's so focused on the past, making sure that everything's running like it was before. Maybe it was just another because that's where his mind frame was. You know, making sure things. You know, all the lights were on, that the radio station works, that, you know, that they, and w- once he saw that, he was like, well, yeah, obviously there's something, you know, we need to fix this. This is another thing that was, sim- you know, being civil, that was something that needed to be fixed as well. Not just all the machine, making sure all the machines run. Yeah. Well, it's, you know? it's like you imagine America as one person and like Russia as one person or China as one person and... I think that they're trying to draw that parallel of, okay, Russia has attacked us and then it's killed almost everybody. Now there are three individuals left alive and they're still shooting at each other. Yeah. Like, let's, let's put down our guns if we can finally make some progress and realize from our mistakes, like what we need to do here. So I do think that that's part of the message there. So he drops his gun, and then he just starts walking, walking back towards where uh, Benson Benson was. And uh, he runs into him. There's a bit of a struggle, mm-hmm. you know, but... Um, As we've established before, Benson is not the kind of person who just shoots somebody unarmed. No, no. Which is... Yeah, it's very noble of him, <laughs> considering well, you know, that I there mean, are no rules. <laughs> like you said, it... it, it f- if this movie had been made, I don't know, at any later date, I, I feel that Benson probably would have been more barbaric. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I think in a lot of ways. He probably would have just taken that girl mm-hmm. and done horrible things to her, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, maybe it was the time. I don't know. I don't know what else. I, but then again, I don't know what I'm talking about either. Because before. I'm sure people did horrible like things back then as well. Oh, of yeah. Course. You know? I, I feel like I it was know. before I don't the know what movie. I'm no, about, no, like, no, no, yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> he puts down his gun, he is also not going to kill Ralph. Sarah shows up. Ralph picks Ralph off off the ground. Tells Benson, "Hey, wait up!" And they walk off, you know, into the sunset hand in hand, like like we're the only three people. I feel like if this had been a later '60s movie, it would have been what we thought was going to happen, which was like Sarah was going to get shot on accident, and yeah. it was just going to be these two men. Like, what have we done? Like what staring have we at each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really um, like how it ended up, though. I really do. It With is this ending. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll save my comment for you know when we finally get to the the end end of it. But I'm pretty happy overall. How how how? It, well, yeah, the, yeah. Because basically, walk off hand in hand at the end. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I think that's so cool. Like, I thought that was actually pretty awesome. But I'm. I'm not going to lie. My only criticism at the very end is just seeing in giant words, the beginning. <laughs> like, I started laughing. That I'm was, sorry. It's I'm cheesy. Sorry. It's cheesy. I'm cheesy. sorry, Sarah. Yeah. No, it is. But it is. It just kind of zooms. Yeah. In just- <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. The ending is the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, what made that moment perfect is that Campo said, that better not be the end. And then it popped on screen. <laughs> the beginning. Like, oh, see, it wasn't. <laughs> it was very perfectly timed. But I just love the fact that they, that, you know, at least at that very moment, they were all willing to at least not kill each other. You know? Yeah. And in your mind, I'm sure you can play out whatever, however you want it to continue. Me, personally, I, how I wish this would continue mm-hmm. was maybe they went to France. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? 
I mean, it, obviously Benson can can he can pilot a boat. I can't say you know? what I thought, not what I think on air. Let's let's go on to some other point where it doesn't end up in my dirty, dirty mind. I think that what <laughs> happened is they go someplace else, maybe in America, maybe someplace else. They find other people, and hopefully, people are able to rebuild and you know re remake the world in a better way than we did before if they can help it and i think that what's his face finds a girl too maybe that's just you know that's into him in my happy ending in my mind benson finds an appropriate mate a tough i mean do you think ralph and sarah are gonna end up together when they're walking off yeah i think so Hmm. I mean, I think there is a chance that they might not, but I hope they do. And it was like the first time they actually touched each other was at the end of the movie where we yeah. see their hands touching. And it was kind of like... No, they touch each other, I think, in a couple other brief moments. Well, he certainly pulls her hair at one point. <laughs> oh, that scene. Don't go sorry, back It's okay. It's I'm okay. Sorry. Well, we it's walked okay. away from that. Aaron, let me fix your hair. No. <laughs> no, Joel. Thrust these scissors at you. No. Yeah, I hope they end up together. Oh, what a ride. Yeah. What a ride. It's great. Thank you. Oh, yeah, thank you, welcome. Sarah. Thank hope you. Hope it wasn't too preachy. Oh, no, no, no. I like the message, though. <laughs> I, I like, like it. I like the message a lot. And thank you, Dale, for showing Mom, shout out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> forgot I, we got to have my mom on the show. Absolutely. I was thinking. I was thinking about waiting to do this one till she was on, but she loves so many sci-fi movies that I'm sure we'll find another yeah, I'm sure one. she's got a secret sci-fi that we've just never heard of that she's going to be like, oh, yeah, my, I know what we're watching. My mom and dad uh, inquired recently if there was any opening, Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So they'd, they'd love to come on for an episode. We, we might be able to take a trip out to their town or something yeah. like that so they don't have to come on yeah. here. Have fun. Why not? Cool. So... You may have noticed in last week in the DuckTales episode that we did not say what movie we were going to be watching the next week. And that's because our schedule is in a little bit of flux right now. We we have guests lined up, but uh, schedules, schedules keep moving. Um, we have random movies picked out, and that may be what we're doing next. But we also have a lot of fun picking up the movies that we want to watch. You know, sometimes they're super popular titles, and uh, I, I can tell the audience space obviously likes to hear about that kind of stuff. Our, our most popular episode is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Well, Sarah's pick again. Uh, but what I'm saying is right popular now... Popular movie, dude. Right now, I have no idea what next week's movie is. But we will figure it out, and uh, we'll put it on the Facebook page if you're interested in finding out. Facebook.com slash PDSM. I-O-S. Feel free to email us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we love movie suggestions. If you have a science fiction fantasy film that you want to torture, I mean, I give us, then uh, uh, let us know. Email us at podcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at OuterspacePod. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. If you do happen to subscribe to us on iTunes, please consider leaving us a star rating or even possibly a written review. We don't care either way. Uh, We would just really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Thank you. I don't know what else to tell you. Thanks. We really appreciate it. So until next week, what lesson did you learn from the world, the flesh, 
and the devil. Oh, you guys forgot. No. I know you forgot. No, Joel, I didn't forget. Okay. <laughs> I know what my lesson is. Okay, Sarah, what's your lesson? If you're in a mine shaft and it collapses, you should be happy because it's possible that the whole world was killed off while you were in there and that your life was spared. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's a lot to think about. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to, I was trying to think of something real quick there, but uh, my brain... My brain failed me. Come on, Aaron. Uh, hopefully, if I'm the last man on Earth, I hope I can sing just as well as Henry Belafonte. You took mine. You took mine. What about literally. the mannequins, guys? Can't, even can't we get a lesson from the, the mannequins? No, no, no. My lesson is <laughs> never hand a desperate and horny man a pair of scissors and ask him to cut your hair. <laughs> <laughs> A lesson well learned. <laughs> That's almost like that almost sounds like an album name. Her <laughs> man names Horny Scissors. Desperate <laughs> <That's> Horny <laughs> Scissor Handler. Uh, no. We'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks, bye. Bye. Work all night until the morning comes. Daylight come and we want to go home. That's good enough. Great big bunch of bright bananas. A beautiful bunch. Now we all dance. Is it likely deadly? Black tarantula. Dale. Dale. My mom's name is Dale, and sometimes people used to go, Dale. Mm. <laughs> Dale. <laughs> me said Dale, me said Dale, me said Dale. <laughs> Dale, I come. Okay. All right, stop messing around, Aaron. Oi. Sorry, this we're is getting serious. started. This is serious podcast we're getting, time. We're getting, we're doing this. Okay. All right. We're doing this. We're all pumped. Put uh, your game uh, face on. My game face? Yeah. Wake up. Get in, get in the mood. Uh, it's tearing me apart when I'm with you. And when we are apart, I feel it too. And no matter what I do, I feel the pain <laughs> with or without you. Bam, 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 bam. Okay, so. <clears throat>